stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Some men aren't looking for anything logical like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. And it's that uh, question that, that haunts us constantly, right? Why is there evil? Why do people do evil things? And, and we try to make sense of awful acts. And I think that's what we're trying to do, uh, given what happened in Toronto this week. A man behind the wheel of a rental van plows into a crowd of pedestrians on a busy street. Ten people dead, more than a dozen more injured. What was that act? And was that an act of terrorism? And there's been a lot of debate about that question this week, and it happened very quickly. You know, let's call it what it is. People said this is terrorism. doesn't matter what his motivation was. It's an act of terrorism, isn't it? Why is it important to use that word? And when does that word apply? Does wanting to watch the world burn, is that an ideology? Is nihilism an ideology? Is hatred an ideology? Yeah, I think the accepted definition of terrorism is that it's an act of violence intended on advancing a political or ideological cause. But I suppose, you know, how how loosely you want to to define it, it, it can encompass a whole lot. Was the Quebec City Mosque massacre an act of terrorism? Certainly seemed to stem from an ideology of hatred towards Muslims. What about Justin Borg, who killed three RCMP officers in New Brunswick a few years ago? Seemed to, to have a real hatred of, of the state, a hatred of government, a hatred of police. Is, is that an ideology, and does that make it terrorism? And is it significant to call something an act of terrorism? So was what happened in Toronto this week an act of terrorism? It doesn't matter if we call it that. Now, there's some indication... I think there's still some uncertainty around this, but there's some indication. We talked about it yesterday uh, that the accused uh, subscribes to to a certain kind of, of ideology or a certain kind of worldview. What some call the incel movement and what this uh, Facebook post ostensibly from the, the suspect referred to as the incel rebellion. And, and a real um, hatred of, of women and a real warped view of, uh, of society, of sexuality, of, of male-female relationships. If, if that was motivating him to kill people or even to target and kill women, does it make it an act of terrorism? So I think there's some interesting and important questions to explore here because there is a legal threshold for what we consider terrorism. But the way people use the word, it might not be quite the same thing. Uh, Stephanie Carvin wrote a really interesting piece on all of this for the Globe and Mail. She is an assistant professor at the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University and joins us on the line here this afternoon. Stephanie, great to have you with us. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. You know, the question of what, what is terrorism, I, I think everybody has their own idea in their mind. There's maybe a, a, a colloquial definition, a political definition, there's a legal definition, and, and they're not necessarily all the same. No, they're not. And that's one of the problems we're dealing with in the aftermath of this attack, because, you know, there's also the expression, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Um, so and in this case, it really does look and have a lot of the hallmarks of a terrorist attack. And, you know, we saw this similar conversation that took place after in the wake of the Las Vegas shootings, of course. You know, everyone said, look, a guy amasses a bunch of weapons for the purposes of murdering a bunch of people from a hotel window. How is that not terrorism? Um, but the fact is, we have to differentiate between terrorism charges and terrorist acts. 
Um, the law has a very specific and somewhat narrow definition. And, and for those of you who are reading along with your uh, Canadian criminal codes, that's in Section 8301 of, of the criminal code. And it basically states that, um, you know, any act carried out for a political, ideological or religious purpose is a is a terrorist attack. But then we have to recognize not all political, religious or ideological uh, motivations are equal, at least in the eyes of the law. And for some people, that's problematic, right? So mm-hmm. you have, you know, the thing is with, you know, Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State, they're really good at, you know, this is our ideology and this is our movement and we have goals and we've articulated a hierarchy and all these kinds of things. You know, what we're dealing with now are fringe movements um, on the Internet, right? These kind of weird social um, groups that kind of form on the internet and they watch conspiracy videos and they share grievances, but it, it, whether or not that constitutes a, a movement or an ideology in the eyes of the law is, is kind of untested and, and, in my view, unlikely. What, why is it significant then to to have that as a legal designation that that uh, you know we have the list of banned terrorist organizations, we have a specific charge that refers to terrorism. Right. So I think there's um, two things that are important here. One is um, you you do want to keep that terrorism definition pretty narrow because, you know, one of the things you worry about is you don't want to make all forms of dissent or um, protest illegal. You know, we want to limit what our national security services are actually interested in, I think, just from a a healthy democratic perspective. But the other thing, and I think you were kind of getting there with the the end of your, your statement there, is that the reason we have this legislation is that it's really useful for when you disrupt a plot as opposed to the aftermath of a plot. And what I mean by that is, let's say you have someone who's plotting to attack um, a group of uh, a group of people or set off a bomb somewhere and you catch this person. So it's not just the fact that this person was willing to engage in attempted murder, but you can augment or you can enlarge their sentence, the actual punishment that they will receive. Because you can put a terrorism charge on there. You can prove it was motivated for a political, ideological, or religious reason. So that's why we have those terrorism charges. After the fact, it makes less sense. And, um, you know, because you already have, like in this case in Toronto, this person is going to be facing 10 counts of murder and, you know, probably around 15 counts of attempted murder. Uh, And a terrorism charge isn't really going to, you know, it's symbolically it's important, but realistically, it's not going to add anything to his sentence. Um, and we've seen this in other cases as well. There was the case of Justin Bork, who shot three RCMP officers in New Brunswick a few years ago. He um, subscribed to a kind of a paranoid anti-government ideology, which is why he attacked the RCMP. Um, but he is a... Um, you know, he, he wasn't charged with terrorism, but he was given one of the strongest sentences. In fact, I think at the time it was considered to be the strongest sentence uh, or in punishment since Canada abolished the death penalty in, um, you know, way back in the 60s, So, right. uh, which was 75 years he's going to be serving in, in jail uh, as a result of his actions. So what I'm trying to say is, like, adding a terrorism charge to that, practically isn't going to add a lot and in fact having to prove an ideological motivation would actually require a kind of taking police resources away from an investigation and towards kind of trying to establish someone's mindset so it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense now that being said 
um, and this is the point of the editorial, it doesn't mean we can't call these things politically, morally, ethically terrorism. It doesn't mean we can't respond with, uh, you know, to affected communities with compassion. It doesn't mean we shouldn't worry about the fact that there's these groups on the Internet. It's just we have to differentiate between the charges and the acts. Well, and that's an important point, because even in the case in Edmonton, uh, where, where you had an individual run over a police officer, attempted to run down pedestrians, I mean, he had the, the ISIS, uh, ISIS flag in his vehicle. There was an apparent uh, allegiance to, to that, that movement. But to, to, to go even further, to have to demonstrate that he believes certain things, it, it, is, it is difficult. It is, exactly. You're sure. It's one of the few crimes that you ha- we have that you, where you have to actually kind of prove that kind of mindset. Right. Um, you know, you, you have to prove like, I'm, you know, all all crimes have like a mens rea, the criminal criminal state and, and a criminal mind and um, the mind and, and they actually have to do the act. But the fact is, you know, there's this extra burden of proof on there. And as you rightfully point out, um, the fact is we have this guy in Edmonton who committed this attack, but he wasn't charged with terrorism, even if he had an Islamic state flag on there, because we're going to get him on six counts of attempted murder. Um, and that's going to be a very strict and serious sentence that he's going to face. So it, it doesn't necessarily make sense to, to kind of do that extra burden. Um, but that being said, like, I can see why people do get upset. They're like, you know, they, they think that when you call something terrorism, it has meaning, right? It has, you know, it's not just the fact that you're saying this person did something bad. You're saying this person didn't just attack the victim. You're saying this person tried to attack society, right? Because yeah. that's the basic goal of terrorism. And I understand why people want to say that. And this is why I think we should differentiate politically between calling something a terrorist act and uh, dealing with it legally. Well, and another example of that is obviously the, the Quebec uh, mosque massacre and Alexander Bissonnette, whether he is a terrorist or committed an act of terrorism. And it kind of cuts to the question of what is an ideology? Is hatred and racism an ideology? Are hate crimes acts of terrorism? Right. So actually, hate crime, well, here in Ontario, hate crimes legislation is actually administered at the provincial level, strangely enough. Mm-hmm. So you can have hate crimes uh, and it's provincially governed. And you can have um, national, like terrorism crimes, and it's federally governed, right? Then it suddenly becomes a national security threat. So, you know, it's interesting. We see right-wing gangs and, and, and Nazis, they're tend, they tend to be persecute, uh, or prosecuted at the, at the provincial level as opposed to the um, national security level. And a lot of people feel, well, that's not right at all. That's not the way it should be. And you know what? I'm prepared to have a conversation about that um, because I, I also struggle with this. I don't know if, if that's equal, but... Yeah, I mean, to get back to your, your point here, um, the, you know, these guys who are motivated to acts of violence, they consume large amounts of conspiracy videos. They have grievances in their own lives. Um, they start to see their, their lives through a particular prism, and then they act. The question is, in the eyes of the law, is that actually an ideology, or is it just mass murder? Um, and it's interesting that we as a society have chosen to make terrorism as opposed to mass murder a worse crime well in the case in toronto and in indications that the the suspect subscribed to what's known as as the incel movement and seemed to have some some really warped ideas uh, about uh, sexuality and about women i I guess we're going to have to confront that question too aren't we is is that uh, an ideology was he attempting to achieve any kind of political or ideological ends I think that's a good question to ask. Um, 
you know, like I said, I mean, this is this is a conversation we're going to have to have. If we, what I worry about is if we open up the definition of terrorism, and I, I probably said this earlier, but um, if we open up the our idea of what terrorism is, what an idea, what a terrorist ideology is, um, are we then going to, you know, right now our terrorism legislation misses certain things. I think we can sit down and say, yeah, terrorism, our terrorism legislation doesn't really cover the kind of thing that possibly motivated this uh, Toronto attacker to actually engage in violence. Um, But the risk of widening that definition is that we might start to include things in that terrorism definition that we might not be uh, happy to um, do so. Like, you know, Here's the thing. In Canada, we have laws that let you believe what you want to believe. You are allowed to be a misogynist in Canada, right? right? There's nothing stopping you from being a misogynist. It's when you violently act on it that the problem emerges. So the question is, do we want to turn misogyny into a terrorist ideology? Um, and I, I'm as much as I am against misogyny, because not only because I'm a woman, but I think it's just wrong to have those kind of biases anyways, um, I don't know if I'm prepared to, to basically start saying, yes, misogyny is, is a terrorist ideology. Right. And even if we don't call this attack a terrorist attack, and, and you made the point earlier that, that we're, we don't diminish what happened here. And this individual is facing, uh, at this point, 10 counts of first-degree murder, several others of, of attempted murder. So there's not really much more we could add to that that, that would have legal weight. I mean, that, that's about as serious as it gets. And that's that's the way I feel about it is that, you know, um, my, my concern is that our, our responses to all of these incidents is always, well, we need to fix this right away. And why isn't that? Why aren't the police doing anything about us? Why aren't they protecting us? The answer is larger. It's societal. We need to have a conversation about how we engage on issues around feminism and misogyny. Um, no one like I can probably feel the eyes rolling in your audience right now when it, when I talk like this, but. Really, like, I just don't see our national security institutions, CSIS, the RCMP, being the places to fix this. I think, you know, we need to, you know, what we've started now, at least on we're trying to fight al-Qaeda and Islamic State-inspired extremism, we're trying to create these centers where, you know, people who are concerned about loved ones can can come forward and discuss, um, you know, say, you know, this is my friend Bill. Bill suddenly, you know, started, you know, having interest in guns. He's talked about wanting revenge on society, wanting to do these things. What we need to do is is have people feel that they can come forward with that information and create channels and opportunities for people to, you know, if if they think they know someone who's going to act violently to to come forward. But again, that's not necessarily a national security response. That's a a, you know, kind of more societal response uh, of talking about like how do we create more resilient societies how do we create opportunities for people who might be going down the wrong path to kind of get the help that they need and so i think what we need to do is look at this problem almost more as a public health and societal issue rather than a you know let's let's bring in the mounties right away because i I just don't think they are they are equipped or nor do they really have the manpower to start monitoring internet forums Frankly. Well, some important points. Uh, People can read more of your pieces up at uh, theglobeandmail.com. Stephanie, thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. Hey, fascinating conversation. Thanks for having me on.
All right, thanks again. There you go, uh, Stephanie Carvin, uh, joining us, uh, assistant professor at the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University. So as she said, as far as the criminal code is concerned, it's a very specific definition, and, and the bar is set rather high. And, and as she points out in her piece, it's not really about adding a charge of terrorism after something horrific has occurred. Because if you get somebody on three counts or ten counts of first-degree murder, you, you can't really add any more at that point. As she says, though, to, to have a specific legal definition of terror helps to set out and limit the mandate of what we want our security services to investigate as violent extremism. Second, terrorism offenses are largely geared toward augmenting the prison sentence of someone accused of plotting a terrorism offense before it's actually committed. So, as she says, for, for organizations like CSIS, it's about helping to establish their mandate and what it is we expect them to, to be on the lookout for. And to be able to, to really severely prosecute somebody who's involved in plotting an act that hasn't been carried out. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.